making diamonds out of us.
Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome, welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted that you are with us this morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here, and it's my privilege to get to welcome you. If you're worshiping with us online, I want to welcome you as well. I want to remind you, if you are online, that we have online hosts available all throughout the service who would be delighted to spend time in prayer with you to answer any questions you have. So I encourage you to engage in that chat over on the right-hand side, and there's a button that says Request Prayer if you would like to go into a one-on-one private prayer chat with one of our hosts. We want you to feel connected to this community from wherever the Lord has you today, so I encourage you to participate in that. Well, our call to worship for today comes from Romans chapter 8, and I'd love to invite you now to stand, if you are able, for the reading of God's Word. Romans 8, starting in verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's worship him together this morning.
something to drink, something to eat. You know, Jesus, when he was eating with those disciples, was eating a meal. So there's nothing special about the elements, but it is an opportunity for us to come together and eat and partake of communion together. As we finish up our series on Revelation, as I've been looking back on the last eight weeks, one of the chapters that just continually stands out for me, it's been through the entire series as I was preparing, and even through the last eight weeks, chapter four is one of those chapters that just always gives me chapter 4, we get the the glimpse of that throne room in heaven. There's one seated on the throne that has the appearance of jasper and carnelian. Around the throne's a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 elders, and seated on the 24 thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, perils of thunder, And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there were a sea of glass. As you move into chapter 5, you see at the right hand of him sitting on the throne is one that is holding a scroll, written on the front and the back. It's incomplete. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one on heaven or on earth was found worthy to open the scrolls or look into it. I began to weep loudly, it says, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus is going to return to judge the living and the dead. It's a judgment that we don't have to fear because of our security, because of who we are in Christ this morning. And so as we come together to celebrate communion, it's an opportunity for us to remember the hope that we have laid up for us in heaven in Christ. It's an opportunity to celebrate that through his death, through his resurrection on the cross, as he's resurrected from the grave, that we have hope. 
we have forgiveness, we have a Lord and a Savior that loves us, that wants a relationship with us, and we give thanks. It's also an opportunity for us to evaluate our own hearts, our lives, if if there's anything standing in between us and God and, and what he would have more for us. And so it's an opportunity for us to come together to celebrate and to reflect. And so we're going to allow uh, people to come forward. Um, if you're in person with us this morning, we want to invite you to come forward and get your communion elements. And then you can go back to your seat and you can take them as the Lord leads, whatever you're comfortable during this next song. If you're watching with us on home, you can take them uh, with, with, with yourself or with your family or anybody that's gathered with you there. And you can take it uh, when you're comfortable as well. But let's take this next song as an opportunity just to reflect and remember the hope that we have in Christ. Jesus says that this is my body broken for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. He lifts up that cup and he said, this cup is reflective of the blood that was shed, was spilt for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. So let's take these next few moments to celebrate and to remember and we'll come back together in just a few moments. If you could just make your way up to the front, uh, watch your uh, distancing, uh, but then you can take them back to your seat and we'll uh, take communion as you feel led.
Sweet family, let's come before the Lord together in prayer this morning. Father God, we come before you because you are worthy. Because you are filled with glory and splendor and goodness. And you are worthy of our praises. If you never gave us a single good gift, you would still be worthy of our praises. Just because of who you are. And still, you pour out your blessings on us. You lavish us in your love. You have given us more love than we can possibly wrap our minds around. I pray for each person in this room, for those who have known that you love them for their whole lives, and for those who are still struggling to believe that that's true. For everyone in between, Father, will you make us aware of your love? Will you help us to believe it? Will you help us to believe that there is nothing that can separate us from your love? There's nothing we could do to make you love us less. Help us to see our need for you. Father, some in this room are grieving today. Some are struggling. Some are wrestling against anxiety and depression difficulties in relationships and with jobs and so many other countless struggles that we're facing in this life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come near to each one with the comfort that they need right now to believe that no matter what they're walking through, you are near, that there is nothing too small for you to care about, that you're with us. Because of Jesus, you are God with us. Give us the strength to believe that that is true. And now as we prepare to hear from your word this morning, Holy Spirit, we rely fully on you to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to truly and fully receive what you have for us in your word. That we might be transformed to be more like Christ today. Father, we love you. Every bit of this is for you and for your glory. It's in the matchless name of your son, Jesus Christ, our King, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that uh, you are with us this morning. If you are watching with us online, this is your first time with us, so we want to extend a special welcome to you. There's an online connection card that you can fill out. Uh, let us know that you're with us. It'd be a great opportunity for us to connect with you in that way. And then we've also got online hosts uh, that are available to pray with you uh, there as well. If you're in person with us this morning, we're glad that you're here as well. You've got a welcome card that's on your chair. If you could just take a moment, uh, fill that out just to let us know that you were here. Um, that would be fantastic. I also want to let you know we have our prayer gathering coming up uh, next Tuesday. It's going to be 7 o'clock. We're going to go in person uh, this week, this month. And so we're going to be meeting here in the sanctuary. We'll have uh, some smaller sections available 
I know the email that went out last week said we were going to be online, but we're going to move to in-person um, next Tuesday from 7 to 8.30. We'll be right here in the sanctuary. We've got a great worship set uh, coming up. We're going to spend some time uh, listening to some, some worship music. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And you can come any point during uh, the time from 7 to 8.30. You don't have to come for the full hour. And so if you're getting off work, if you just want to come in and have one of our elders and one of our leaders pray with you, it's a great opportunity for a one-on-one prayer. We'll have prayer breakouts. And so if you want to pray with a group, you can. Uh, if you want to not pray out loud and you just want to participate, um, you can there as well. But uh, we want to encourage everyone to come out and join us for our prayer gathering uh, next Tuesday from 7 to 8 30. If you have any questions about that, uh, please be sure to visit our website, springbrook.org slash prayer info. And I also want to let you know our uh, barbecue is on sale for our mission strip fundraiser. And so you can order that on the website. Uh, you can, uh, if you're in person with us this morning, you can drop by your uh, order at the uh, Connections Cafe, that barbecue is going to be ready to pick up on June 20th. And I'm telling you, it is so good. So for $25, you get a pound and a half of pulled pork, some sauce, and some buns. And so um, if you want to know more information about our missions trip, uh, again, visit our website. It's a great opportunity to get some good food and to support our uh, youth group and our teens and our adults that are going down to serve on the local mission. So you'll find some more information about that on our website as well. VBS right now is full, and so all of those spots have been filled up. I think Michelle mentioned she had a couple of spots left open for maybe first-time guests or visitors, or maybe you've got somebody that you'd like to invite, maybe a friend or neighbor or a co-worker uh, that's got children. We've got a couple of spots left open uh, for uh, guests and for visitors. Uh, but if you want to know more about the VBS, be sure and visit our website. Please be praying for that. It's going to be kicking off on uh, June 14th. It's going to run uh, Monday through the Friday. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be fun just to be able to see um, how God uses that. Our VBS, our Vacation Bible Schoolers, are always a great time to connect with our neighbors. In fact, when I was talking to Michelle, from what I understand, the majority of people that have signed up for VBS um, don't have a church home that they're attending or don't attend Springbrook. And so this is going to be a really good opportunity uh, for us to connect with our community and to serve uh, them as well. Then I also wanted to let you know that next Sunday we go to uh, an environment where masks are going to be optional. And so in accordance with all the governance, uh, the governing guidelines, the CDC, uh, we're following uh, those recommendations. Um, and so um, if you want to uh, wear a mask, you're more than welcome to wear one. If you don't want to wear one, we're going to the mask optional. But one of the things that we are offering people is wristbands. And so um, you can pick one of those up when you walk into the building. And so if you are comfortable uh, not wearing a mask, you're comfortable being around people, you can pick up a green wristband. Um, If you are still being cautious and you want to keep some distance, um, you can pick up a yellow. And then if uh, you are really still maintaining distance, you can wear a red. And then we joke about this every week. So because I hear every week, I'm just going to keep wearing the red band forever. (laughs) And so we want to make sure that we continue to create a safe environment um, for our congregation, for our church family. So we'll continue to leave the seats uh, socially distanced, and then as our attendance starts to uh, pick back up, we'll make adjustments um, for that moving forward. Uh, if you haven't uh, downloaded our app yet, it's a great opportunity to do that. Just text uh, Springbrook app to 77977. All of our events, registration, uh, everything that you need to know to stay connected uh, to Springbrook is available um, there for you. So if you have any questions about that, uh, please just let us know. Well, for the last eight weeks, we have been focusing on the return of Jesus Christ. And so we have really, uh, we looked at some principles that apply to us today. There's some lessons that we've learned as we read through Revelation. And so I'm hoping that for the last eight weeks, the one message that you've taken away from this series is that Revelation is what? It is for today. It's not just something that we're waiting for Christ to return and we don't have anything to do. 
the book of Revelation is relevant for us today. And so we have been focused on his returning and the reality of what that means for us. Today, we want to talk a little bit about the fact that Jesus is with us right now. We're not just waiting for him to return. Jesus is with us right now, today. There's three passages I want to kind of focus our time together this morning on. The first is from Revelation chapter 5. We read a little bit about that throne room as we came together uh, for communion this morning. As we move into chapter 5, we get a little bit more information about the scroll and the lamb. Beginning at verse 6, it says that between that throne and the four living creatures, among the others, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that were sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl of incense, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For by you, you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed your people for God from every tribe, from every language, from every people and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they shall reign forever on earth. They took a new song into their mouths. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals for you were slain by your blood, you were ransomed. You know, Jesus is worthy to take the scroll. Jesus, when he returns, is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. And so the scrolls were the judgment that was going to be poured out on mankind. For those that don't have a relationship with Christ, they're going to feel the wrath of that judgment. He is worthy to take the scroll. He is our judge. He was slain on our behalf. He died a criminal's death on a cross. He was killed for our sins. and He took our sins on himself. And by his blood, we are ransomed. You know, as we celebrated communion this morning, it was reflective of the fact that that blood was representative of his blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. And so by his blood, we have been ransomed for God. We have been bought back. We have been ransomed. I was reading a couple articles last week. I don't know if you're familiar with what ransomware is, but there are there's this huge movement of people that are attacking different businesses. I know that um, JBS Meatpackers, their entire manufacturing operation got shut down because somebody hacked into their computer and sent them a ransom request to get their computer back. And then uh, and also just a couple of weeks before that, we had uh, Colonial, the fuel pipeline that supplies fuel for all the world got shut down because somebody hacked in and shut the computer system down. And they had to pay over $4 million to get a decryption key back so that they could unlock their system so that the gas could continue to remain flowing. You know, Fujifilm's got hacked. And so there's this huge movement right now. People are hacking systems and they're asking for a ransom to get paid back so that things can continue on as the way they were. Well, we have been ransomed. We have fallen from heaven, through sent it into the world through Adam and Eve. And so we're in this fallen state. And, and Jesus paid, his, paid the penalty for that price. And he has ransomed us back. We have been restored to the relationship that we once had with God before sent it into the world. Because through his death, through his death, he was slain by his blood. We have been ransomed. We have been ransomed and bought back. And we've been paid for with a price. We are God's possession. And he has ransomed from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation, people unto himself. 
and he has made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. And so we have been bought at a price. People from every tribe, people from all around the globe have been ransomed and made a kingdom of priests. The Bible talks a lot about what it means to be a part of this kingdom of priests. In fact, First Peter would write in uh, First Peter in uh, chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It's unfailing. It's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we've been bought at a price. We're a part of this holy nation. We've been ransomed. We're a part of this priesthood that's not going to be revealed until the last time. But as you move into chapter 2, he says, because of that, you need to put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn infants that long for pure spiritual milk, that by you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands, it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So, The honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that was the builders that rejected, he is still the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But in verse 9, he says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not his people, but now you are his people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so we have been called into this royal priesthood. We are a a chosen people. We are a holy nation. We are a chosen race for his possession so that, me, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness in his marvelous light. We are his possession. That is who we are. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And now Christ is in us to do the work that he has prepared in advance for us to do. We are a royal priesthood. We are this holy nation that is set apart for his purposes. In Revelation chapter 7, we found there was 144,000 sealed Israelites. The number 12 reflects perfection with regard to ruling or governing authorities. The number 1,000 reflects perfection with regard to time. And we find 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes makes up our 144,000 And so that's what we see in Revelation chapter 7. When we get to verse 9, it says that John saw, behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From where? From every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages. And they were standing before the throne of the Lamb. All of those that are in faith, all those that had placed their faith in Christ, all the martyrs, everyone that has gone before us is now in this throne room of heaven. And that's the hope that we have, that if we go to be before the Lord, 
before Christ returns, we're going to be a part of that throne room scene in heaven. And you see them all standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the Christians that have died that have gone before us, all those people from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, are in this great multitude that is too great to number, and they're all crying out in a loud voice. When we turn to Revelation chapter 14, we find the 144,000 again. We find them along with all the nations, the tribes, and the people. John sees this great multitude along with another angel that is flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to proclaim to every nation and to every tribe and to every language and to every people this good news. He says with a loud voice, fear God, give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the spring of water. You know, Jesus Christ came to fulfill an Old Testament promise. He is our sacrificial lamb. He died on the cross to pay for our sins and he was resurrected from the grave to prove that he was who he claimed to be. And by grace, through faith in Christ, we are saved. That's the good news. That's the eternal gospel. That is the message that we have heard and we have the responsibility to share with others. Jesus Christ came to save. He's coming back to judge But the good news is in this, through our faith in him, we can have the assurance of spending eternity with him. And when Christ comes to return and gather his people to himself, heaven is going to be filled with people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, and from every people. It's going to be diverse. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be grand. And it is going to be filled with all kinds of people that are different than us. From every nation, tribe, and language, and people. That's a glimpse of heaven that we can only imagine today. You know, one of the things that kind of saddens me is that on Sunday morning we see so much separation, so much segregation in the church. And one of the things that I pray for is that our church at Springbrook would reflect the diversity of people that are in our community. It's been exciting for me to be able to see the diversity of people that we have right here at Springbrook right now. It's just a glimpse of what we're going to see when we get to heaven. Right now at Springbrook, we have, we have at least nine people from di- nine different countries that are speaking 10 different languages. Isn't that great? We have people from Germany, from Costa Rica, from India, from Poland, from Nigeria, from Palestine, from China, and from the Philippines. And they speak all these different languages, Spanish, Telugu, Polish, Yorba, Arabic, Filipino, Mandarin, and Cantonese. Just right here at Springbrook. That's exciting, isn't it? That whole throne room in heaven is just going to be everyone worshiping together, praising God and giving him glory. It's going to be awesome. You know, if if your country of origin is not here, if you were born in a different country that's not reflected here, I'd really love to hear uh, from you. If you could just let us know where where you were born, we'd like to be able to celebrate the diversity with which God has called people together to be here at Springbrook. You can go to our website, springbrook.org slash revelation. Just click on that revelation banner at the top of our page, and there's a place for you to give us some feedback about this series, and then also there's a place for you to share your country of origin or uh, uh, languages that you speak. We want to celebrate the diversity that God has brought into this body of Christ. 
And we'd like to update our missions board with that. In fact, over here on the hallway to your right, um, you'll find our missions wall. Um, it's almost done. Um, we, uh, we've got a little hiatus with COVID. We're starting to slowly get back to it. But um, you'll find a map on the side that's got our world. And, and right now there's little stickers on there from the people that are from different countries here at Springbrook. And so we want to see where, what countries are represented uh, in our local body of Christ. And so let us know where you're from so we can celebrate that um, with you. We want to update our, our missions wall with people that have, are from different nations, languages, and people groups. And, and, and we want to celebrate the diversity with what God has, has brought here together at Springbrook. And at the same time with our missions, um, we're going to celebrate where God is enabling us to be effective at reaching other parts of the world with the good news of that eternal hope that we have in Christ. We want to share that good news with others. And so our missions, while you'll be able to see all the different missionaries we support, the missions agencies that we support, you know, because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity, because of your giving, we're able to be a part of an expansion of the good news about Christ going to the very ends of the earth. We have missionaries that we're supporting here locally. You know, we support local missions that we, we, we support and we minister to people in our congregation. And we move that out to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And at all points of this Acts 1-8 passage, we have an opportunity to take the good news to the very ends of the earth. You can celebrate and see that with us on the wall. We want to celebrate what God is doing in and through our ministry at Springbrook. It begins with you. And so it starts by celebrating what God's doing in your life as we pray about what it would look like to take that to every area of the globe. And so we want to be able to celebrate that together. You know, Springbrook exists to grow and to equip and to release passionate followers of Christ that will reach others for himself. We exist to reach our community for Christ and to build up and send out passionate followers that will reach others for Christ. In Matthew 28, Jesus, uh, just after he was resurrected, tells his disciples that they need to, uh, to go to Galilee. In uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, right after he was resurrected, the, an angel appears in, to the women that had gathered there at the tomb. And the angel says to them, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, just as I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them there and said, Greetings. And he came up and he took a hold of their feet and they, they worshiped him. They gathered around him. They took a hold of his feet and they were worshiping him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and, I'm, and they're going to see me there. In verse 16, it says, The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when he saw them, when they saw him there, they worshipped him. Some were in doubt. And then Jesus came to them and said this in reply to their doubt. Listen, you don't have to doubt. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You, therefore, need to go, make disciples of all nations, Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus gives them their mission. And I want to talk about this disciple-making mission for a moment because it's important. 
It's important that as we look at this and we understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we understand that Jesus is with us, that he has called us for a purpose, to proclaim his excellencies. We've been called through the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. God has called us for a purpose, to accomplish his plans for what he has for us in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our world. Disciple-making is important, and we want to build passionate disciples. What does a disciple look like? What is discipleship? What is disciple-making? You know, Jesus says, go and make disciples of every nation. Go. He's speaking to his disciples, and so if you have a relationship with Christ, that command's relevant for us today. We are to go. We are to move from where you are currently to another location to talk to somebody else about Christ. We're to move from an existing relationship to another relationship so that we can tell others about Christ. The command to go is not the command to come. Discipleship does happen in this building. Thank God we're focused on building and equipping disciples in Springbrook. And so discipleship happens here in this building. But we are called to go out beyond the building to tell other people that don't have what we have about who Christ is, about that eternal hope, about that eternal good news that is spoken about in Revelation that we see all throughout Scripture. We've been entrusted with this message, and we, we need to take it to other people. We're to go, and we're to make disciples, and to baptize them, and to teach them to obey, to be obedient to Scripture. We go make disciples, we baptize, and we teach. Who gets baptized? People that get baptized are people that understand what it means to have a relationship with Christ. All throughout Scripture, every single time a person comes to understand their need for a relationship with Christ, they get baptized. Baptism is something that is symbolic of something that you've come to believe in your head, in your mind, in your heart. Baptism follows a faith commitment. And so when he says go, he's talking about going to people that do not yet have a relationship with Christ. Maybe they have questions about who Jesus is. They want to know more about how to have a relationship with him. They make a faith commitment, and it's at that point that they become a disciple. You are not a Christ follower. You are not a Christian. You are not a disciple unless you have made your faith commitment. And making disciples begins with understanding your need for a relationship with Christ. It's at that point that you become a disciple, you get baptized, and then you start to study and learn Scripture and apply it to your life, and you take it to others. Go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them. Disciple-making begins by moving people that have questions about God into a relationship with Christ so they become Christ followers and be justified before Christ, before God. So when Christ does return, we know where we're going because the Bible says that if I confess my faith in Christ, if I believe that God raised him from the dead, then I will be saved. And so our salvation, our hope, this glimpse of heaven, everything about our faith is, is, is rooted in understanding who Christ is. And so disciple-making is a process that begins by making a faith commitment. We give and then we get baptized, and then we grow, and we continue to grow. And this journey down here is a lifetime. I'm still growing. I've been a Christ follower for 23 years, and I'm still growing. I talk to people that have been Christ followers for 50 years, and I've, I always ask, hey, have you got it all figured out yet? No, I'm still growing. We continue to grow. 
My wife and I have been married for 36 years this October. We got married. It was really easy to say, I do. We're still working on our marriage. And so that's what our relationship with Christ is. We continue to learn and to grow in faith and to impact the lives of others. And we want to make disciples of all nations. Where are we supposed to go? It might be your home. It might be your workplace. It might be your school. It might be your neighborhood. It might be a trip to Chicago. It might be a missions trip. It might be a missions trip to South Carolina. It might be to another part of the country. You know, where's God calling you to go? You know, we have uh, Brett Filer. Is, um, I, think I, I think I had shared this at one point. Brett um, is, uh, came to faith at Springbrook. He's been growing in his faith, and, and he's actually going through um, the Timothy Initiatives material um, to be equipped um, to work on making disciples in his environment. And so he's got some ministries that he's a part of, and so he's been, he's been growing in faith. And it's been so exciting to see Brett being intentional about equipping himself to make disciples in the context of his ministry. And so it might be a school, a workplace. It might be a motorcycle club. It might be the woodworking club or the chess club. You know, you can make disciples wherever you're at. Go make disciples and teach them to obey. One first step of obedience is baptism. It's one of the easiest things for a Christ follower to do. The first step of obedience is getting baptized and then continuing to grow in faith. And we want to take this good news to the very ends of the earth. We want to go make disciples, and we want to baptize them, and we want to teach them. We want to take that to the world. You know, we have an opportunity to impact our communities, our state, our nation. We've got partnerships with uh, Converge Worldwide, Converge Mid-America. We're a part of a movement of churches that's taking seriously this great command and the great commission to go and to reach people for Christ. We're a church planting movement. We go into areas that you don't typically find a church, and we start churches. This church has only been here 26 years. There was, there was no church here when this church was first founded 26 years ago. It was in an environment that, that there, there was no church. There wasn't an opportunity for people to hear about the good news about Christ without having to drive maybe you know, many miles. But this church was new. It came in. It started with a group of eight, group, group of 120, group, a group of 400, and it is what it is today. And now we're a sending church. And we're part of sending missionaries around the world and supporting missionary activity around the world. It's exciting when you're a part of something that's a movie. I know it is. It really is exciting. I want to encourage you to go to our website, springbrook.org slash message, just to get a little taste of how God's working in and through this local body of Christ to take the good news to the very ends of the earth. As we focus on Christ and our mission to reach our community and our world for him, we want to take this good news to um, all parts of the earth. And so that's our command. But I want to back up for a second because we, we know all authority in heaven and our earth has been given to Jesus. We know that we've got this great commission. But look at that last part of that sentence. As you're doing these things, behold, I am what? I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us. As we go make disciples, baptize, and teach others, as we depend on the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to share our faith in our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, the very ends of the earth. As we're accomplishing missioning with God, Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. 
He's not just in heaven. He reigns in heaven, but he also reigns on earth. Jesus is here with us right now. We have gathered together this morning in his name, and he is with us right here, right now. We have come to worship him. He is here. We've gathered in his name. He is here. We are focused on his mission. He is here. We are the local body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and Jesus is here. Our series on Revelation has been focused on the hope that we have in Christ and about his return, but he is here right now. I don't want you to miss that. Jesus is with us right now. And so we know that the book of Revelation is for us today. There are lessons that we can learn from to, for today. There's a hope that we're going to have for tomorrow. We know that Jesus is going to come back. And when we look at the book of Revelation, it is about the future, but it's also about today. Jesus is here today. And not only is he here with us in this local body of Christ, but he can also be with you. He can be with you in a personal way. You see, we have a personal relationship with Christ. We are called to be something when we come together, but each of us can have Jesus with us. Not only is he here with us collectively in this body of Christ, but he can be with you now, or he is with you now. And so when you came in this morning, you either brought Jesus with you or you didn't. Jesus can be, Jesus is in this building. He is here. His presence is here. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is he with me? Is Jesus with me? I was talking to a young man last week about a revelation series. It was an opportunity to talk about some of the things that we're learning and applying to our life. And so I was talking with him. There was a question about, I believe in God. I believe that God cares about me. But there's something that's missing. I was like, well, do you believe that God is near and loves you? Do you believe that you know, he is here and available to you? Yes. Have you ever asked him into your life? No, I haven't. I don't know that I've ever made that faith commitment. I, don't, I know that he's here. I know that he cares Jesus is here, and you're here this morning. You need to know he's here and he cares. The question is, have you asked him into your life? Are you experiencing the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you experiencing the promise of new life and life to the full that we have in John 10.10? Do you have a relationship with Christ? No, I don't. Would you like to? Yes. Like, well, it's simple. You just ask him to come in. You believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. You believe that he came to die and pay for your sins and that he was resurrected to prove that he is who he claimed he is to be. And he prayed. And next week he's getting baptized. It's that simple. You know, Jesus is here. But is he here with you? Do not leave without him this morning. He's present in this place. We each need to evaluate our own lives to ask, is he with me? And so our series on Revelation was a focus on the fact that he is going to come. There is going to be a judgment. And we have a tendency to push that off and think I'll take care of it later. But we don't know when later is. So we learned through our series, Jesus could return at any moment. Something could happen to us when we walk out the door and we'll go to be with the Lord before we <laughs> we're ready. 
We don't know the day or the hour, and so it's important for us to evaluate where we are now with our personal relationship with Christ. And as we bring revelation to a close, it is important, it is imperative that we make sure that everyone has had an opportunity to respond to that question. And so we each need to evaluate our own lives. That's not something that anybody else can do except for you. I can ask some diagnostic questions. I can help guide people. Our pastors, our staff, our elders, our leaders, we love to talk about our relationship with Christ. And so we can help people assess and to think about where they are in their relationship with Christ. But the real answer can only be found in your mind and in your heart. Do you have a relationship with Christ? The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, he says, we ourselves are Jews and by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because the works of the law, no one will be justified. In our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were now found to be sinners in Christ and our servant of sin. We want to rebuild what was torn down. I want to prove to myself not to be a transgressor. In verse 19, though the law, I died to the law so I might live up to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by flesh in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by flesh in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We can have Christ in us. Christ is here in this place. He is here. But we can have him here in us as well. Jesus Christ reigns in heaven and on earth. He is here in this church. And he lives in those that have asked him to come in. But the question I want you to ask yourself this morning is, is he in you? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, we are to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize this about yourself, that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. And so is Christ in us? I know he's collectively here. I know he's in the lives of people that have shared with me that he's here, but, but, but is he in you? Examine yourself, test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ is in you unless you fail the test? You see, there's no grades in this test. This is a pass-fail kind of a thing. I like the grading system because if I could, I just, I had to get a, a C plus to pass, and so whew, I made it. So in a grading system, you can get a C plus and you're fine. You get a B, the goal is always to get an A. So that was my sister. My sister Gail was the A A person in our house. I was the well-rounded person. I had B's and C's. And so my mom would always celebrate when when I passed the class. I miss her dearly. She was one of my greatest fans. Richard passed. The grading system, the grading scale worked really well for me. In fact, I was always asking about, is there a curve on this test? No, there's no curve. 
You know, we are going to stand before God and we are either going to have Christ in us or not. It is a pass-fail environment. Is Christ in you? Do you still have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ? Have you made a faith commitment? And are you now a Christ follower or are you a disciple? Have you decided to follow Jesus? You see, a Christian is not someone that just goes to church. I grew up thinking that if I was just good enough, that if I helped people in need and if I, if I prayed and I went to church and I was just a good person, that I would be good enough. But that's not what being a Christ follower is. A Christ follower recognizes I'm not good enough, that there's nothing that I can do to achieve God's favor. It's by grace that I've been saved through faith in Christ, not by works, so that I can't boast. There's nothing that I can do to earn God's favor. And they're answering the question about whether Christ is in us is simply asking the question, have you made that decision? And so when Paul says examining yourself, he's asking us to have you, have you examined yourself and are you, are you going to pass when you stand before God? When God looks down, is he going to see his son? Is he in you? You have failed if Christ is not in you. It is a failure to live on this side of life. It is a failure if you do not have a relationship with Christ. You have failed. I don't know how that makes you feel. I don't like to fail. It's like getting an F. We've all been given a report card with an F. We've all failed. This is the great news. If you find yourself over here having questions and you're not sure if you're going to pass the test, you know what the good news is? You get to change your grade. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I got an F on this paper. It'd be like somebody handed me a pen and said, just give yourself an A. Wouldn't that be great? If you are on this side of the equation, all you have to do is ask Christ to come into your life and you become a disciple. You become a Christ follower. The question is, the question you have to ask yourself is, have I made that faith commitment? You can change your grade. If you do not have Christ in you, all you need to do is ask. Christ is in this place. He is here today. Is he in you? And it's as simple as acknowledging your need. It's as simple as saying, there's nothing that I can do to earn God's favor. It's as simple as saying, I am a sinner. God is perfect and I am not. I am separated from God because of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. That he paid the penalty for, that, for, that, for all that sin. Everything that we looked at, the seals, bowls, and trumpets, everything in Revelation, all that judgment that's to come, Christ has paid for. And if we place our faith in him, if we believe that he is God, that he did die on the cross for our sins, and we believe he was resurrected to prove he is who he claimed to be, we can be saved. You move from here to here by simply acknowledging with your head and your heart that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he came back to life to prove he was who he claimed to be, and he was resurrected from the grave. And as best as you know how, you ask him to come into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. You move from having questions to that faith commitment. You become a disciple. We get to celebrate your baptism, and we give you a new Bible, and you begin to study and live out God's word in your life, and you make him your Lord. Jesus is our Lord 
and our Savior. And if this morning, as we formally bring this Revelation series to a close, I want to ask you, do you have a relationship with Christ? And if you don't, is that something that you're interested in doing? If it is, you can pray this prayer with me this morning. Father, I believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he came back to life, he was resurrected as best as I know how. I'm asking him to, I'm asking you, God, to come into my life and to take control. And if you want to pray that prayer with us this morning, we'd love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. You can pray that in your mind, your head, your heart. If you have questions, we'd love the opportunity to follow back up with you later. But if that's your desire this morning, pray that prayer today and then begin to watch for the way that God is going to, to change you The Bible says that when you make a faith commitment, the old is gone, the new is come. There's a new you. You're going to have Christ in you. And if you don't, if you did not have him when you walked in this morning, or if you did not have him when you turned on your your device to watch this online this morning, if you pray that prayer, you're going to walk out of here today new in Christ. And we want to celebrate that with you. And so if you're online and you want to pray that prayer, all you have to do is raise your hand. There's a place for you to say, hey, today I want to know, I want to, I, I committed my life to Christ or I want to know more about having a relationship with Christ. And if you're in person with us, you just, there's a welcome slip on the back of your car, on your chair there. Just click today. Hey, I made a faith commitment. I want to make a faith commitment. I want to know how to make a faith commitment. And let us celebrate that step with you. This is a great thing. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And we'd love the opportunity to celebrate that step with you. You know, we are bringing not just a eight-week Revelation series to close, but really at the beginning of the year, we began by looking at creation, a sacrificial system that was upheld in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in who Christ is at the cross. We celebrated that on on Palm Sunday, Good Friday and Easter, and we have for the last eight weeks looked at the revelation of Christ and what that means for us today as we eagerly anticipate and wait for the new heaven and the new earth. I hope that you have been blessed by this series. I know I have enjoyed it. I want to encourage you if you've got questions, about Revelation, or if you've got anything that we can do to help you to continue to grow in your spiritual journey, please let us know how we can help you with that. And if you are a Christ follower this morning, we want to celebrate that with you as well. I want to leave you with a series from a passage from Psalm 33, verse 18 through 22. It says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. That's my prayer for our congregation. And for each of you this morning, that you would be able to experience the fullness of love that God has for you, that his steadfast love would guide you and direct you and give you an ever-increasing sense of his presence in your life. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. I don't know if you need help this morning or if you feel like you're in the middle of a battle. God, our soul, waits for the Lord. It's anticipating his coming, but we know that he is our help and our shield today. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us as we hope in you. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for, I thank you for your word. God, I just pray that it would be written on our hearts. I thank you for this series that we've been able to enjoy together through Revelation. God, I pray that you would continue to grow us in our faith. God, may we experience your steadfast love on a daily basis. God, we know and we wait with eager anticipation for your return or that day that we stand before you on your throne. 
As Paul says, we're eager to be with you, but we know that you have something for us here to proclaim your excellent glories, to share the good news that we have with others so that they might come to have what we have, to encourage one another in the faith all the more as we see that day approaching. God, I pray that you would continue to guard our hearts, our minds, and our eyes for you and for your glory. God, we lift this day up to you. We look forward to all that you have for us. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd love to invite you one more time to stand if you are able as we respond to this word that we have heard proclaiming the Lord's sweet love for us.
I pray, I hope that you believe that is true of you today, that God loves you deeply, that he wants relationship with you. And if you don't think that you have that, please don't leave today without asking the question of what it might mean to step into relationship with Jesus Christ. We are so delighted that you spent this time with us. And I want to send you out with a benediction from Romans chapter 10. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Go now in faith to preach the good news. Have a blessed, blessed week in Christ.